okay, so you come in a room, you sit down, you drink a cup of coffee, that's all telling a story. You, you want to be in charge of what story you're telling. So, in other words, so how, what is it that I'm doing? A, awareness. B, then what do I do to become aware of my habits, counteract my habits, and then adopt habits that I feel suit the given circumstances of the character, of the situation, of the narrative? That is Gail Sixsmith. She's an actor, art director, screenwriter and movement specialist. She's talking about how, as human beings, we're transmitting messages all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. An actor has to learn to embody those messages in how they portray a character through gesture, posturing, quality of voice, intonation and so on. Unless there are layers of subtext at play, what they're saying in words has to be congruent with what their body is transmitting. And she reminds us that this is something that inspirational communicators do really well. Gail coaches performing art students to use their bodies effectively in becoming what she describes as expressive, potent and versatile. She draws on a wide range of physical practice which reflects her extensive interest and line of inquiry, um, artistic inquiry, so dance theatre, choreographic performance, body weather, um, buto, alba emoting, physical improvisation, capoeira, laban, elemental transformation, motion capture, mime, yoga and five rhythms. As you listen to Gail, perhaps you'll hear the energy in her voice or even imagine what her gestures might be or how she's communicating through her body when she's talking to me um, as she emphasises certain words or ideas. As a former Lady Macbeth, an artistic collaborator and now an acting coach, you can hear how important it is to Gail to choose her words very carefully, to be precise in what she's describing to us. She wants us to understand her clearly, with no ambiguity, and it's important that what she says is as close to the truth, to reality, as possible. We meandered across many aspects of conversation. What makes for a good conversation? What inspires her? Where joy sits? Honesty? Ego? Difficult conversations? And even her worst conversational habit? We also exchange thoughts about how dismissive we can be of each other, what we may be in danger of writing out of our conversation culture because of the presence of addictive technologies like our mobile phones or the way in the workplace we're able to read body language less and less. Add to that our preference for avoiding conflict or avoiding having that difficult conversation or the fear of getting caught not knowing something. It's easy to find ways to disconnect or even overreact in situations where we feel uneasy or exposed or a bit vulnerable. I also ask Gail if she thinks it's possible to be animated and dishonest or at least hold something back at the same time. Her answer brought us back to her trade in congruency between our words and our body movement, between our energy and our impulses. Have a listen. Hello and welcome, Gail. Hello. Lovely to be here. Today's chat in Better Conversations is really about your perspective. Um, maybe it'd be a good place to start would be for you to tell us a little bit more about your work. Um, for a long time, I was a performer, an actor, um, and I also made work. Um, th- latterly, uh, I focus on more coaching 
um, and uh, directing, but also it's more about the training, training sort of uh, trainee actors. Um, and I have a specialism which is um, the body and expressive expressivity um, in a kind of fully embodied way. In what ways would you say that your work depends on having a good conversation? Well, in essence, my work is literally about communication. What is explicit, what is implicit, what is felt and not expressed, the congruence of body, voice and intention. Um, we, we spend a lot of uh, time analysing that uh, and sort of investigating it. As a coach, I have to be really effective in the way that I'm imparting information and how I enrol and inspire my students. Um, And this involves careful choice of language, but also a lot of checking in to just determine how things are landing. I regard it as a conversation. So rather than me just spouting information I, I think part of that is also what's working but also crucially what's not working or what could work better and sort of getting that all on the table mm-hmm. what's your unique perspective on conversations then I, I set a lot of store by um through the uh, in the importance of body language so that I suppose you could say is my specialism because I I teach it, I coach it, I talk about how significant it is, I I have tools that I equip the students with and also I notice it. So I pick them up on their body language all the time and flag up. Okay, so the bottom line is we transmit something all the time, whether or not we're conscious of it or unconscious mm-hmm. of it. And um, that's an energetic thing, but it's also, it is, it's wrapped up and sewn into the habits that we have, our gesturing habits, our postural habits and so on. And the, this is story that we are transmitting. And, of course, as an acting coach uh, and as an artist, you, you, you talk about, Okay, so you come in a room, you sit down, you drink a cup of coffee, that's all telling a story. You, you want to be in charge of what story you're telling. So in other words, so how, what is it that I'm doing? A, awareness. B, then what do I do to become aware of my habits, counteract my habits and then adopt habits that I feel suit the given circumstances of the character, of the situation, of the narrative? So that's a big element of what I, how I communicate and how I, Mm. what I'm interested in and and what I see and observe. And that actually comes across just talking to you. Obviously, people can't see you, but you talk and communicate naturally using all parts of your body. You're very fluid in, you know, how that comes out. So it's really quite fascinating to watch you um, it's very captivating to watch you when you're talking because it's very expressive, not just through your choice of words, but through your the movement within your body as you're as you're telling a story or communicating a feeling or a scenario. Yeah, I mean that's uh, when people are convincing, they are embodied in their communication. Their gesturing is what we call embodied. It's congruent. There's a congruency between intention. Uh, vocal intonation or quality of voice and and what we're doing with our bodies and uh, all the most inspirational communicators are congruent in that Um, and obviously you know we're 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 in the business of trying to 
coach our trainee actors to become really convincing in what they're doing. And so that is part of what I am getting them to investigate mm. and become more uh, effective at, at sort of uh, managing in themselves. Mm. But But it's also just in terms of just everyday communication you you are more you're likely to be more engaging and um more um effective as a communicator if if that's what's occurring and that's what you're doing Mm. um and do your students do some people find that easier to come to than others because it's not just talking about what's important to that person at the time they're actually getting into character yeah absolutely and the thing is gesturing always has to be motivated because you know you can't just move your arms around because it's so obvious when it's not motivated so it, it, and we have loads of impulses all the time people off we, we we're riddled with impulses but usually we don't act on them and can you and, elaborate on what what you mean by impulse i suppose an impulse could be a thought or a feeling it could even be a, an instinctive moment of wanting to reach out or touch or or or, or grab hold of something or gesture in a way that helps us to kind of realise or or f- make more manifest what it is that we're discussing or or talking about or referring to, and we we get used to shutting down those impulses in our culture, in in many cultures. Some cult- cultural habits are are more inclined to allow those impulses to be much more um, freely you know expressed and uh italians for example they they gesticulate all the time you know uh it's part of the way that they communicate but um for many people that's not the case sometimes a communication can it feels like it's all a bit heady and there's no body involved the trouble is that as human beings about 80% of how we communicate is through body language. That's how we get the signals about mm. what's going on mm. from this person and how we read a person. Mm. So if there's nothing going on there, then <laughs> it's very hard to kind of figure out, to, to kind of really get proper engagement. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. that that's, that's just um, something that uh, I would say is... Uh, part of my unique perspective Mm. um another thing that oh oh, and i I would also say that it's it's if you want better conversations ramping up sensitivity of and awareness to that i think helps um can help the conversations be more effective really Mm. um the other thing that i think is I feel is important and again is very sewn into the kind of work and world that I exist in is this idea of being fully present so we talk about Mm. this quite a lot Mm -hmm. and uh and what does it mean you know and and it sounds so obvious but actually you know um it's this idea of being really awake to what is happening in the here and now and really responsive therefore to the micro changes that are occurring in with this person in front of you so that you are 
you're adjusting all the time and really connected with that. Mm. So it's very easy to be in autopilot. We spend a lot of time in autopilot. There aren't that many moments in our daily lives when we have to stay really present. And that and that's interesting because as a coach, I don't know if you find this, but I, I have developed a stamina for being able to sit and be present mm. with a client and... Um, you know, for a, for a full hour and really be focused on what it is that they're grappling with or trying to get their head yeah. around and, and be a true thinking partner or a sparring partner mm-hmm. to where they're at. And so, you know, the moments when something pops into your head, it's a bit like meditation, something oh pop, God, may yeah. pop into your yeah. head and you have to learn to push that away. All the time. Um, and it only takes five or ten seconds of not being present, of being distracted, and you can lose the thread very quickly of what Absolutely. a client is saying. Yeah. And, they, and your client feels it because yeah. your gaze changes or they've said something that actually turns out to be really significant for them, but we've missed it. It breaks the flow of conversation. And so, yes, as 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 the work that you're doing and, and the coaching that I do, that ability to be 100% present mm-hmm. constantly yeah. for, you know, that that period of time is is um, something that you build the stamina for. Absolutely. And I think that, um, I mean, these invasive thoughts uh, that kind of pop up, uh, or feelings, actually, mm. can, like you say, pull you out. And sometimes they're, they're in future or past spaces as well. So it, there's a time sort of element to this as well. It's not just that they're, they, they're there and they're here and they're now. Mm. It's like, oh, my God, I've wandered over there and I've wandered back there. <laughs> so we're kind of we're pulled on this sort of strand through time as well yeah. in terms of our attention. Mm. So, so that's... And I just think... Uh, like you that the more present we are the more effective the connection becomes and ultimately Mm -hmm. the point of conversation is about connection Mm -hmm. I I would say I have to manage myself with that sometimes because I'm often very very busy at work and I'm running down the corridor and running up and down the stairs and then somebody taps me on the shoulder and it's a quick moment to have a catch up I have to stop myself in my tracks and just say okay just let go Mm. of where you need to be right now and just concentrate on this person even if it's for a minute (laughs) which sometimes it is you know like make that minute count Mm. Um, so just again just trying to stay really conscious yeah with it all and it makes a difference doesn't it that sense that if 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 I am focused on you even if it's for a minute we can we can impart a connection or um, you can make someone feel very special. They can feel it with your energy, your body, the position of your body relative to theirs. Yes. Um, the, you know, how deeply you are listening and what you're listening for, not just in terms of the words that they're using to communicate something to you, but their tone of voice, how they're communicating yeah. at the intensity of it, where mm-hmm. the emotional charge is sitting for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What are the elements for you when you're talking to someone that are really important? Honesty. Honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I set a lot of store by that. I I, I suppose I'm I'm quite known (laughs) for being very uh, candid. You know, Um, I I I I don't. I'm not very good at veiling things, mm. but also I don't see the point 
I don't, I don't just don't get the point of it. Um, so I think honesty is, is challenging because we protect ourselves and, um, but, but, but sort of being prepared to really say what needs to be said or ask what needs to be asked or admit what we're not sure about, um, I don't see how you can have meaningful connection and conversation unless that is in the space. I don't get the point of it. Mm. Um, How do you feel when you're sensing something's not quite right here? I guess it, it automatically would probably make me feel more guarded. If I suspect there may be an agenda, for example, or I'm not getting the whole story... I mean, obviously, people withhold information for all sorts of reasons. You know, there's this idea of on a need-to-know basis, people will be given information. But I I kind of believe that cultivating trust amongst people who work together, you know, for example, or amongst people who uh, come together, (laughs) you know, for one reason or another, where there is proper connection, Mm. um, that trust is everything. And everything, therefore, is possible. But everybody needs to be sort of willing to give of themselves to that. Um, if there is this sense of self-protection... Um, I mean, another another thing, I guess, would that I would say would be ego. I don't... Hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, all right, so it feels, it feels a bit counterintuitive to sort of leave your ego at the door. But it really is a problem sometimes and uh it it just limits what's possible what when when an ego is in play or or there's not a consciousness about how the ego is our own ego is affecting our interactions i think certainly it's difficult when you feel that there's an ego in play somewhere in the space that's what you observe or witness from without you know i guess we have to manage our own egos as well i don't know if I struggle with that as much as I struggle with something else which is my passions which can get the better of me (laughs) um when I I feel very impassioned and very strongly about something uh and I feel it's it's important um you could say well that's your ego speaking girl but uh for me it's usually because I care a lot about the outcome or Mm. what needs to happen or what I perceive as um something that's significant and I, I, I would like it to be part of what's being considered. Mm. Um, it's usually not really about my own personal, um, what I want out of a situation. It's usually on behalf of something else or someone else or the others or the students or something. But but I, I'm I'm aware of the fact that sometimes I can get quite fired up. As we all can. As we <laughs> But you know what? Uh, that that uh, I'm dealing with that on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, I realise that that can be quite intense for for other people. Um, it's an ongoing quest to be to be a brilliant, a, a better communicator, <laughs> managing oneself inside that. The thing about the ego is that sometimes what, if if that feels like there's a fixed position based on a point of view. Um, and somebody's not willing to relinquish that or to soften on that, then it's like that, that limits the, out, the positive outcomes mm. of, the, of any conversation. Is there someone or has there been someone in your life who's really influenced or shaped your perspective on conversations? I suppose my mum, 
Um, she's a quite a unique individual, and um, she's uh, lived a very, and still lives, a very full life. Um, she was a, a mentor to many people uh, and uh, a coach. She was um, an adventurer. Um, she was... Uh, she 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 has always been extremely active and dynamic in her life. Um, she was a teacher as well, uh, and she's also interested in a lot of things. So she, her interests are very diverse, uh, and she she's never been judgmental about anything. I don't think I've ever heard a judgmental statement come out of her mouth, and that I think is really. Um, inspirational because it's so easy to make a judgment about something because it's not aligned with your own mm. core values for example but she she just has never been like that so anyway we have and have had many deep and fluid and interesting conversations about all sorts of things mm. um and they're always very stimulating uh, and, um, yeah, I think we get to the nitty-gritty. We can have... We can bat things around. We can, you know, reference other things that are outside of our sphere of experience. Um, but it's always in order to... I don't know, just out, out of the curiosity of exploring something, you know. So... I, think... I always find that fascinating when people can um, move between topics and make, yeah. make references or, or draw sort of um, thoughts from different spheres, different areas of life, but can also then dive deep into that in a way that's exploratory. And you, it's interesting you used the word, you describe your mum and the conversations being you know, full of curiosity. Mm. Um, do you think that influences the joy of a conversation? Does that have an? Does oh, that... most definitely. Because I think if you're if you're the best, I think the best conversations are the ones where you are not sitting in that, you know, zone. Simply within your own perspective, you are drawn into the perspective of the other person. You visualise what they're visualising. You place yourself inside that perspective. You, you, you go through the story as they are explaining it. You know, that you, you, you're willing to shift your perspective. Mm. Um, and, you, and that it feels like an intuitive and natural part of what's happening because you're drawn in or because you are genuinely curious and interested. And, uh, and that goes a long way to kind of making the conversation mutually um, satisfying mm. and rich, I think. Um, and those, those are the conversations that can go on for hours and hours. Yeah, the only way. downside <laughs> is that uh, you can meander around and then you think, what was the point of the conversation again? <laughs> what were we talking about well, again? But it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, there's that theory, isn't there, that... that um, 
guys uh they the, the point it's like what's the point and what's the point and what's the point and and this idea that women i don't know whether this is actually based on any scientific fact but there is this spiraling uh thing that happens um well i i think that's quite an interesting kind of uh, this is pointed di- uh, triangle kind of concept, or the the spiraling. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I quite like those conversations mm. that kind of loop around and meander a bit. Mm. Um, and and it's it that's fascinating in itself because very often in the workplace we don't have the time to meander. Mm. Um, and explore and just talk and see where things go. We usually have, you know, items to get through in, the, in a meeting and, and process through and come to decisions about things. Um, and yet some of the most enlightened, innovative, interesting ideas come from that ability to be able to build and riff off each other, mm-hmm. uh, off other ideas. And that can, I tend to think that can only happen when you make the space for a meandering conversation where it wanders from maybe one topic to another because you're always, in, as you just described, you're, you're exploring spaces in a different way. You, you're able to see things from different perspectives because that's the purpose of the conversation is actually to just explore yeah. rather than to determine or to decide. But we lose that ability to be comfortable with making time for that kind of a conversation and yet it's so crucial and and time well spent mm. you know it, it's um because it's about the quality of that mm. of what that of what that reaps as well um it's it's so uh, it's like a real refresh button button <laughs> it's like boing you know we 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 oh and the quality of the connection that that then you automatically feel as a result of that oh wow we really are all on the same page we really are a team we're really kind of singing from the same hymn sheet we really want the same things or we we really are aligned yeah you know within our myriad different perspectives it's there's a synchrony crucial. there's a synchrony yeah. between us yeah. right where where you know where we're connecting the same parts of the brain in your mind to my mind yes i'm building and you know there's a movement isn't there yeah. between the two there's and, an exchange and, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's interesting because um a lot you know it, it is about this exchange it is about this communion really isn't it that's what great conversation is mm. and um when i talk about what theater is and the and the special unique value of theater the magical nature of it which is that great theater employs the imagination of the audience it draws the audience's imagination in and there it's a sort of communion it's an exchange so it's not that the audience is passively watching they are engaged creatively in some way with what it is that's being presented to them and they're drawn into that and and that's very unique it's a very unique special exchange um and it becomes increasingly important this kind of communion in a world where we are spending so much time with technology these live personal encounters start Mm. to become essential Mm. otherwise i I start to worry about our humanity. I start to worry about where we're going. I start to worry about 
what the future is going to look like and the way that people interface with each other because already you say, I might be going off piece now but you know we even when you go to a to a shop and buy something people are on their headsets or they're they're not fully present they're not engaging they don't engage with the person who's serving them there's not even eye contact so how dismissing of the individual is Mm. that Mm. you know and and then it's like well where are the places where we have proper connected conversation Mm. it's scary Mm. because then you think oh actually then starts to get written out of our our world well it's interesting because when I talk to people about um, influencing, one of the pieces, you know, we, we're so reliant on what people say, so the verbal side of things, mm-hmm. and we, um, we've become less able to read body language, less able to read, you know, the dynamics between two or three people in a room together. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and if, we, if we dismiss those or don't, um, use those as valuable clues, then we lose the ability to actually articulate what's going on in the room, what's the dynamic, to be able to name it. And if we can't name it, then we're less likely to have the skills and the ability to really lean into what may be going on. To And so that that uh, many of us say, talk about ourselves as being, you know, uh, avoiding conflict, not, you know, not mm. wanting to have a confrontation with yeah. people. Well, we're where we need to really lean into that more mm-hmm. and, and by understanding and being curious and fact-finding. Why is it that someone thinks that way? Um, how did they get to that uh, conclusion with something? We are moving further and further away from through, you know, because we've got something that we use as physical blockers and by looking at our phones or being distracted in that yeah. way. So we're not... We're not. We're losing that ability to actually um, engage with what's really important to to lean into the body language, to lean into what someone may be thinking, and so being on autopilot, as you were talking about earlier, is so much easier. Um, it's we have distractions that get in the way that mean we can get through that without having to give it much um, attention or thought. So, I guess what I'm saying is we lose that ability to connect and there are more and more reasons to disconnect from yeah. reading body language reading other people and mm-hmm. um, having a reason to ask questions that create a better understanding yeah I certainly think uh I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that and I, and I just picking up on the thing uh this idea of leaning into something <laughs> it's like I I I don't see the point of avoiding the difficult conversations, because surely they're the most interesting. Let's figure out, let's get to the nitty-gritty, let's have a little dig around there and see. Mm. Because ultimately, it's, it's, those, it's the difficult areas that are where the problems sit. So if you're not prepared to go there and tell it like it is and get your hands dirty with that, then I don't see how you can kind of progress effectively um or there'll be a limit to what's possible but i understand that that that's people will feel protective of their patch or their space or people don't don't like to be be don't are not willing to be in the not knowing mm. but actually i don't mm. know the answer i don't know right. but let's let's maybe try and get some ideas on the table <laughs>
think people are a bit scared to, to admit what they don't know. Yes. But we don't know quite a lot a we lot of the time. And it's yes. fine, it's fine. Yes. You know, being curious and open is essential. I think you just, yeah. And that's so true. Um, A lot of um, leaders that I work with, it takes them time to come to that point, to to just be comfortable with not knowing. Mm. Um, It's interesting, as coaches, um, our role is not necessarily to know. We may have experiences that, where relevant, it may be fruitful to share, um, but let the you know let the individual come to their own determination as to whether that's really relevant or useful. Mm. Um, but um, a, a lot of the um, where I've witnessed um, you know a confrontation in a meeting is because someone has assumed that um, their leader does know the answer, and the leader in that moment feels they should know the answer. Yeah. And so, you know, the defences go up. Absolutely. And, and that, uh, I've been, that sense of fear that I've been caught out and I don't know the answer um, tends to be the place that we go to most easily. Whereas it takes some effort to kind of go, well, I haven't really thought about that. Where are you coming at it from? What are your thoughts on that? And when, because, you know, if we're the person that a task has been delegated to, of course, we're going to be deep dive and know all the details and have figured out, you know, how something fits together. Um, And it's not the job of the leader to know those nitty gritty details necessarily. Mm. Um, It's if we've delegated something to someone, then that is their remit. So I feel like the conversations are a little bit warped in that the person who's been delegated the task, it's their role to share a perspective and it's the role of the leader to create the space for the sharing of that perspective and invite conversation around it. Um, But I, I witnessed so many times a leader just going, I've been caught and yeah. I should know, yes. <laughs> but it's not their job to know. And then it ends up, you know, two people at loggerheads, yeah. one feeling embarrassed that mm-hmm. they've been caught and the other person bewildered. Why, why have I got your back up? I just asked you Exactly, and then it becomes something else and it becomes right. an emotional, like, war zone. Right, really. highly charged. Mm. And you can't, it's and very then, hard to and backtrack. Then, and then communication is completely blurred yeah. because, or, or kind of, uh, it, it, yeah, it does. It takes on a different dimension and it's yeah. not really about, it's about saving face yeah. in yeah. some way, which is And especially unhelpful. you've got a room of people. Yeah. Right, as your witnesses. And, yeah. And that, that changes, the, you know, that conversation might play out very differently if it was just those two people. Yeah. But when you've got a group yeah. of people, you know, as witnesses, you know, everyone gets tense and goes, oops, where's this going to go? <laughs> this is very awkward or uncomfortable. And, you know, what may be required in the moment is just to go, whoa, okay, let's start that again. Mm. Can we start that conversation again? But it's very hard to get yourself into that place. I think it would be amazing uh, if you know <laughs> there there were there was more of this idea of let's just have an open dialogue and let's kind of work together to. Well, that may sound a bit idealistic, but um, just 
yeah, or more honest dialogue, really. Well, to your point, can about only being honest, can it... only be fruitful, mm. useful. So, what are you good at in conversations, Gail? Um, what am I good at? I can be a good listener. I think I can imagine the other perspective. Um, I'm I pick up on energetics quite a lot. Um, I, I read body language, so I kind of can pick up the tells of discomfort or, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of information I generally glean subliminally from the way people just are next to me in a space. Um, uh, I, I think a, a kind of an honesty that I offer invites the conversation to be more real. Mm. Um, and caring a lot about the things that I uh, offer up, um, there's kind kind of kind of can make for dynamism in a conversation or in an exchange. So, you know, I I'm I'm a bit full on sometimes, and I know that 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 may be <laughs> quite challenging for some people, but there there is there's there's a there's a a really strong, impassioned, um, energetic presence mm. that that uh, I, that is involved whenever, whenever I'm well, often in my world of communication. So I, I think that that's um, that brings vitality, mm. uh, and also just I am interested in a lot of things. I have inherited that I think from my mum, so I can talk. A lot, about a lot of things and be genuinely interested in them, you know. Um, I may not have masses of facts to back up my opinions always, but there's an, there is a curiosity, mm. um, you know, and, and an interest. Do you think it's possible to be um, animated and dishonest? Oh, I suppose if people spend years perfecting the art, Absolutely. And not to say that they are being dishonest no. for, for malicious intents, but maybe holding something back, maybe um, being particular with what information they're sharing at the same, you know, at that time. Yeah, selective honesty, maybe. Yeah, or or, or simply if they've got an agenda, which is not in the interests of those parties that are receiving that information. I would say is a dishonesty. Mm. So, yeah, I, I would say it is entirely possible, and some people get a, a very clever. They they master it. Mm. Do you think it's um, something you were alluding to? Is it with practice? Yeah, do you think it, oh, can, yeah. it can be, yeah. it, but it's not as a natural, you know, impromptu conversation. You couldn't. You couldn't be animated necessarily and be completely open, or do you think people can? I think you can spot when it isn't. I think I could anyway. I think um, because what you're having to do is you're having to sort of shut down certain impulses and amplify others. Whereas I think when you're truly connected with what it is that you're saying, there's there's a lot of. Um, intuitive 
transitions that occur internally and then ripple out into the body in some way, even if it's just movement of fingers or shift of body language or the spine adjusts or something, you know. Um, Although, remarkably, I'm always amazed, quite a lot of people manage to stay completely still when they talk. Um, but it, it's interesting because I think some people manage to kind of operate purely from their brain uh, rather than from their gut and their brain. You know, it's a different way of operating. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's fascinating to explore that and quite a lot of the processes I work with um, open up the, these different kind of way of behaviors you Mm. know like working Mm. with the four elements for example earth fire air and water through doing that through experiencing you start to realize that water element for example really you know that sense of flow yield the that you know we discover it physically and and energetically and dynamically and then when you translate that to character and psychology you realize that somebody who's more more in water element is likely to be negotiating Whereas somebody who's in fixed earth, bound, rooted, strong, point of view, direct energy, they they may not. <laughs> mm. They may be quite rigid, you know. And somebody who's very fire, you know, they're likely to have lots of impulse, lots of kind of big ideas, lots of passion. But, you know, it's kind of a bit, can be a bit out of control. So it's very interesting to kind of explore those from a purely physical, dynamic point of view. But then you start to, oh, okay, so these are aspects of personality, of aspects of behaviour. And then you can guide, you can put, you know, you can you can amplify some, come back to others, try to find a balance between them all, you know. It's quite fascinating. Tell me, is there something in about your conversational style that you that you wish you were better at or that you are working on? Yes, I suppose, uh, just going back to what you were saying earlier about this idea of the invasive thoughts or the kind of like you get, I can kind of sometimes get a bit overexcited and then I kind of, kind of die into, to, to, to consolidate or to affirm or to, um, or to kind of join in or to add something to and that person hasn't quite finished. <laughs> so I have to rein myself in or I interrupt and I say, I'm so sorry you haven't finished. So I am aware, but the, the, the kind of uh, impulse is strong. Um, so that that definitely, I think I have to manage myself with, um, and um, yeah, sometimes just losing the thread <laughs> because obviously, if conversations are rich, you're there's many elements to them and many aspects to them, and we kind of park these thoughts somewhere in space in our minds and then ideally you kind of come back to them or Mm. you know you refer Mm. to them it's not like you sit there in a conversation about making notes all the time Mm. um Mm. but actually um we then forget that that was something i wanted to mention in relation to that and what was it again that we started with what did we start with so those so those sorts of things are i think obviously that this is the art of good conversation Mm. um when when you can do that and uh we it's before television in certain circles the art of conversation was a deeply revered and valuable social kind Mm. of um, skill mm. 
and um, if we're not careful, we'll lose it. You know, you snooze, you lose. It, it, it disappears. It's like it needs to be practised consciously. Mm. So we need to find opportunities to do it and then when we are doing it we need to make sure that we're doing it in the best way possible beyond that making sure that I'm not in too strong of an emotional zone you know we get triggered and when we get triggered by that I mean that our our blood's up we're plugged into an emotional state or that's bubbling up we are no longer kind of rational that's something I'm aware of because I feel things quite strongly so yeah (laughs) I completely agree with you, Gail, and it's been a truly lovely conversation. But before we wrap up, um, I wonder if you could share one key message about having better conversations that you'd like to leave with listeners. Only that they are crucial. We need to endeavour to have them in our personal lives, within our relationships, uh, in the workplace, with our colleagues. The quality of the communication we have influences massively the ongoing connections and dynamic evolutions of our relationships. And so it's worth putting the effort in to make sure that we are communicating as effectively as we possibly can. And so many of the the things I've referenced today are are kind of uh, concerned with, with that. I and... Uh, we all need to endeavour to continually improve the way that we communicate. And that does involve having better conversations where possible. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, well, thank you. I always love our conversations. Yes, me too, absolutely. Um, I love where we wander and meander. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as me. You'll find show notes for today's episode at papertuner.com forward slash podcast, including more information about my guest, Gail Sixsmith. Better Conversations with me, Siham Cyrene, is where my guests open up with disarming honesty about what's important to them about conversations, what's hard, what frustrates them about poor conversations, their own worst habits as well as their best conversation skills, and what they wish more of for all of us. Each of my guests is an expert in their field and brings a passion to what they do with their time on this earth. It's a complete honour to learn what's important to my guests and an indulgence for me to dive deep into what makes for a better conversation. If you're a regular subscriber to Better Conversations, then thank you for continuing to be interested and supporting the podcast. If this is your first time tuning into Better Conversations, then I hope you've enjoyed today's session and I would love you to subscribe. And please invite your friends, family and colleagues to sign up for Better Conversations. Feel free to send me your thoughts, questions and suggestions to betterconversations at papertuna.com. Be sure to listen to more episodes at papertuna.com forward slash podcast. I'm Siham Cyrene, and this has been a better conversation. Bye for now.